All right, look at that. Pop will eat itself is in the car. It's car con carne. Uh, we have no food. I should have bought you food. I'm sorry. Are you hungry? Uh, I've just eaten, found a nice Middle Eastern uh, uh, sort of, well, it was just like a little restaurant. It was very nice. A falafel house. Yeah. Plenty it. of good food in Chicago. There's lots of good mm. food in Chicago. Yeah. It's, we're known for that. So Pop will eat itself. We're in front of Metro, I should say, Carcon Carney, presented by the Audubon Mazda of Evanston. A bit of a stone's throw from, let's say, Britain. Um, but Pop will eat itself. We're in front of Metro for Cold Waves. Tonight, the annual benefit. Uh, it's three nights of incredible industrial, mostly, uh, music. You're headlining tonight around 11 o'clock. So long after the, the specter of the Cubs has disappeared from the area, Pop will eat itself on stage. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van Alstom. All right, so uh, introductions. You are. I am uh, Graham Crab, Crabby of Popolite itself. And I am Mary Biker of Pop Will Eat Itself and over the years, various other various things. Well, that's the thing. Everyone who's playing this weekend has played in like 20 different projects. And everyone knows there is an incestuous vibe to the whole mm. industrial type scene. That's yeah. right. Well, because even you, Graham, you've been in, you're, you played with Primitive Race, which is another. Yes, yeah. Thing. I've done stuff with Primitive and Race, which is, uh, yeah, very exciting. It's some good stuff. So I, I've worked with Pigface, and obviously I was in the Gay Bikes and Acid before. Well, I think everyone's worked with Pigface. Yeah. I think I'm in Pigface. You probably are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be going on tour with them in November, so... Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to the very beginning with Pop Will Eat Itself. I remember I first heard Pop Will Eat Itself probably in 89. Back then, were, was the use of samples kind of like the American Wild West? Could you just get away with whatever? Like, here's uh, an Iggy sample, here's a, here's a Lips Incorporated sample... Kind of. It was uh, one of those you had to run it by the record company, and uh, there were some things that they just said no to. Um, a lot of it, they said, "Okay, we'll we'll run with it." And some people knock on the door and send you letters and uh, say, "We want a bit of money for that." Uh-huh. Uh huh. But. It wasn't. I mean, nowadays, you know, you hear stories of uh, people using something and they get hit for hundred, a hundred percent. So it was never that bad. You know, we had to pay out a few grand here and there, but it was pretty much Wild West stuff. You could get away with with a lot. Here's what being in Chicago is like. We're actually in front of Metro. We're, we're parked right in front of Metro. You're the headliner. People are just. They don't even care. They don't even pay attention. Oh, there's a like. People are just eyes forward. They're not curious about anything they're just going to where they need to go to they don't realize that pop will eat itself is sitting right in front of metro right now yeah if only <laughs> they knew if only they knew if only they knew suckers yeah from the beginning graham I, pop will eat itself has always been I, I think kind of difficult to pigeonhole there's punk spirit there's obviously industrial and dance and elements of hip-hop and i think that's the secret to a cool band isn't it a band that you see on stage and you walk away saying what the hell did i just see and that's always kind of been your vibe Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I never saw saw it as intentional as that, but you know, now you say it, 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 it was kind of. It's very much true that we've never wanted to be pigeonholed, and I've always felt very uncomfortable if somebody does pigeonhole us and think that we're this or that, and I'm thinking, well, no, we're not. 
Well, that's you're right. It's a mate, an interesting band. Is something that doesn't do the same thing as everybody else. But the definition of being pigeonholed is actually yeah, it's easy. They they're they're this, and and I agree. I think Poppy's. You know, I joined the band late on, and I've had to learn the songs. We, we've just been doing this last year. This is the day. This is the hour, which is such a great. You know, I didn't really. You know, I remember the records at, at the time, but I on list on, on sort of repeated listen because I had to learn the songs. I just realised what a really great record it was, and I couldn't really say it's an industrial record. It's not right. a hip hop record. It's not a punk record. It's all of those things, and and for that reason, I do think it's a genuinely overlooked great record. You know, it's a great record, and it's 30 years old this year, mm, which right. is stunning to me. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about well, it. Tell me about that era. I mean, Pop Lead itself. This was really the breakthrough. I mean, I, I, I will forever have. We like the music. We I, it's stuck mm. in my head just on repeat. Tell me what it was like breaking through during that time in '89. Uh, well, we'd done some stuff which was more sort of punky, poppy to begin with, and. Uh, you know, that was all well and good, but then as soon as we got in the studio, we saw all this technology and thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be great to use or know how to use this equipment? And uh, so we'd try and hook up with people who did know how to use it. And uh, we'd started listening to tracks that, that did use those type of uh, instruments. And uh, so it's a bit of a learning process, really. I think the first album, Box Frenzy, if I listen back to it now, you can, I think you can tell it was kind of a... Uh, that was our apprenticeship, if you like. <laughs> and this is the days where it really it hit, it connected. And sure. This is where, that's where we got our swagger. And we knew what we were doing and knew that we were good at it, I guess. A couple of years after that, Pop Lead itself was unceremoniously dumped from RCA. That was peak grunge, that was Nirvana era. They didn't know what to do with you. Mm. At that point, did you think maybe we just need to wait this out? Like, when pop culture will catch back up to us, or do you think, well, well, fuck those guys? Yeah, kind of. I mean, they sort of wanted us to take that extra step, you know, to having top ten records and you know being. I suppose they'd invested money in us and wanted to see a return on that investment. Whereas we weren't really that career-minded, we were more interested in our art and having fun. Uh-huh. Uh, so there was kind of a, a clash clash of interest there. Well, and the joke was on them, because a couple of years later you hit with RSVP and Ikbina and Auslander, which are still, I mean, those, those hold up to this day. Those are great songs. Yeah. Well, funny enough, it was the same A&R guy um, at the, the major label we got sacked from who then set up his own independent label and took us on because he always believed in us. Yeah. So he was kind of a, a lone voice in the, at the major label. So it's you know, Corder Marshall um, always believed in us and, and took us on. And when he started his new label, we were his first act. I love it. You are the only through line in the Pop Will Eat Itself story. How would you, looking back on all these years of Pop Will Eat Itself, how would you define the Pop Will Eat Itself story legacy wow that's a big question it is <laughs> <laughs> you're not on you're not on stage for a couple hours we got nothing but time <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you know i don't know how to answer that well I, uh, how about let me rephrase what were the high points or what, what were the high, what are the things you remember the most it could be 
emotions. It could be specifics. Yeah. Uh, being asked to tour with uh, Run DMC and Public Enemy was a, a great honour. Um, ditto Nine Inch Nails. Um, having Trent put us on his label over here. Um, so things like that where you know that you've got the respect of your peers, I think, mm. is, is something special. Um, I do try not to think about it too much and I just try to let it be organic. That's why I find it a difficult question. Yeah, I get that. Because I, I don't... Because you're an active artist. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a master plan. It's, to <laughs> me, it is what it is at any particular time and it, it's kind of, you know, just, just let it be. Don't put too much thought into it. Is it easier to be pop lead itself now, given the evolution of technology, I mean, we all, all three of us have computers in our pockets, basically. Mm. I mean, compared to the days where you probably were sitting in front of a bunch of reel-to-reels and who knows what. It's easier in some ways, but then when you consider how hard it is now to get away with samples, and to be honest, samples are still just intrinsic and ingrained in, in probably every time I sit down to write some music there's going to be something sampled in there that, that's that's what I do so it becomes a case of having to disguise it more having to uh, use sound that people can't go ah they they've used that you have to just be yeah, yeah, yeah you have to be cleverer with it let's talk a little bit about cold waves which is why we're here tonight three nights a lot of bands with direct ties to Chicago on the bill. I mean, I think 16 Volt and Chem Lab are like honorary Chicagoans at this point. What's your what's your feeling? Is there a sense that, okay, as an artist and as part of this community, I should be here and... As you were saying earlier about like the collaboration thing, that's that's a great thing in music. People actually... And I think, you know, when we, we actually did this before and and uh, we were, were wondering how it would go down. It's like, oh, is it, oh, is it in the industrial? You know, Obviously, there was the Nine Inch Nails Association, and to be to, to feel a part, you, you do actually feel a part of a community, and I think that is quite genuine with everything, and um, it's it's great, you know. It's like it, everybody gets on pretty well, and you know, people are people. Everyone seems to know each other. A lot of these people in a lot of these bands are in, you know. It, yeah, we've got a drummer. We've got a standing drummer today. He's played in a few of the other with some of these guys, so. Yeah, I think, um, and obviously the metro and this this particular spot has a, a great part of the of the history of, sure. of the music. I mean, when I first came here, sort of, I guess it was the early '90s, and I was playing in Pigface. Chicago was the hottest, the coolest place on earth. You know, you, that was the time. Yeah, I, I, you know, I remember rehearsing with Pigface, and we would go. To, I, I, we went to a bar somewhere, and in walked Bono and and Julia Roberts, and the Edge, <laughs> like. And it was something like the Rainbow, some small little bar in sort of nowhere. But they were in Chicago to sort of suck up the vibe, and it was just so happening. So, and it was, but nobody really realised it was going on. And but it was very exciting, and it was, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's. Chicago's always had that sort of between LA and and New York. It had the sort of best elements of both. So I think it sort of everything sort of really. And, and it's sort of out of the way enough to sort of yep. have its own culture where it sort of incubates and sort of does its own thing so yeah I mean um, I think it's good I think obviously the you know the whole Jamie Duffy and the the, the, the fact that it raises money and yep. awareness for and that's what I was kind of getting at and I realized 
I have a hard time talking about it. It's, it's a hard thing to bring up, and which I guess speaks to the importance of this event. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a hard time saying, so you're doing this thing which is about you know, preventing suicide. Yeah. It, it's hard to talk about. Mm. I don't think people would talk about it enough either, you know, yeah. and, and I think it's something if people have those feelings, that they, they, there's not a lot of, there's no one that not a great deal of support because people don't talk it's a taboo exactly uh, it's like you're exactly. supposed to internalize these things so I think you know obviously anything that um, anything that can bring that consciousness to people and that they can talk about it and that this is we've t- turned something they have you know Jason the guys who put it, put this thing on have turned that around the, the, the situation that happened and they tried to make something positive out of it and the fact that he loved that kind of music and he was yeah. a pivotal part of the the community uh, is it, you know that so that's great you know so uh, as far as that's concerned it's that makes it even better you know because it's it's like it started off as one gig right turns and now it's like th- four days and then now they're doing it in Los Angeles as well so I you know I, I hats off to Jason and, and oh for sure for the this is not easy to put together yeah mm. not at all what's next for Papalit itself uh, we got three more dates um, in the States. We do Baltimore, uh, Providence, and Denver, and then we go back home. We tried to do the West Coast, but there was visa issues, shall we say. So um, hopefully we can do that at some point. I don't know when, but that will have to be rescheduled. Rescheduled. All right. Thank you. Popple Eat itself. Uh, this is Carcon Carney. Thank you for watching on Facebook. Tell a friend. Uh, support them. We've loved them now for three plus decades. Wow. Wow. Which seems implausible because we're all 25. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 26. <laughs> uh, thank you for watching. Thank you, Popple Eat itself. Cheers. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys.